racing cars need racing fuel. And Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend. And it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Parked Up Podcast. My name's Grant Rowley. I'm joined by Tony D'Alberto. We're powered by our good friends at the Race Fuels. And uh, Tony D, a very special episode of our little independent fledgling podcast. Today, we're going to talk a lot about some Porsches. Oh, and I absolutely love the Porsche brand. So bring it on, Grant. I'm a massive fan. I'm lucky enough to have spent quite a bit of time in a Porsche, uh, but generally on the passenger side. So doing a little bit of work for the Porsche track experience, uh, you get that chance to sit in all these beautiful cars, but don't get to drive them just enough. So, but yeah, very cool episode coming up. It's, we've got a little, little bit of news to talk about first, um, yeah. and we've got a really special guest to talk to as well. Yeah, cool. Some of our normal stuff to tick through. There's been plenty happening in the world of the motorsports, in supercars, in the uh, ARG lands and the, the TCR Australia's. You actually even got back behind the wheel of your car, Tony. I that did. That was amazing. I did. We had a little You weren't very fast, though. <laughs> that, that really hurts. That really hurts. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll tell you what, it was pretty good to get back behind the wheel on Wednesday. And yeah, had a little ARG test day down at Phillip Island. Good to catch up with everybody. I didn't get to see all my crew though, Grant. All my crew were, were still stuck in Sydney. So yeah, they had a rental crowd. Literally, yeah, just sent the car down. And my good mate, uh, Andrew Maisie, on the spanners for me. Uh, so that was good to catch up with him. And uh, he just just does an amazing job to fit in and, and uh, pick up where everyone's left off. So We've had a reasonable day. Um, haven't shown a hand just yet, so you know, just bear with me. Bear with me. Hang on. There was uh, there was fifteen cars that went down there. A couple of uh, the others, Lee Holdsworth and Jay Hansen, have, have uh, gone straight to Simmons Plains to do a uh, to do some laps down there. You were tenth. You were tenth. Mm. Um, I did, I just expected more. I expected much more from you. This is this was day one. This was the first day. This is the day to to come out and and lay down that you know this is what I'm doing in 2021. And I was disappointed. Well, we'll uh, we'll let the the talking happen at the race meeting when everyone puts uh, everyone's on equal footing with the same amount of rubber on board. So um, it was a quiet day for us, but we ticked off a few items that we wanted to. Did some practice starts, dusted off the cobwebs, and that's all we sort of set out to achieve. So. I know, because the problem is the last test day in 2019, pre-season test, we topped that one. Oh. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. I actually wasn't unhappy with the pace of it. So, don't stress. Don't stress, mate. It's like all good. Well, it's all kicking off pretty soon down at Simmons Plains Raceway in Tasmania. Can't wait for motorsport to return. Can't wait for TCR Australia and S5000 to come back into life it, it sat on the sidelines for 2020 as we all know and now it's uh, now it's time for its big coming out party uh live on the screens of seven so uh looking forward to that all unfolding uh tony there's uh there's quite a bit to go through as we'd sort of said we've got a uh, a really special porsche edition porsche celebrating 70 years in australia in 2021 and uh they play such an important, vital role in Australian motorsport, and uh, of course, motoring as well. But they uh, they love their they love their racing, and they've got such a rich heritage here in Australia. So, um, as we said, we're going to speak to Luke Yulden, who is the deputy chief driving instructor of the Porsche Track Experience. Of course, he's also won the Bathurst One Thousand and and done a whole lot in the Australian motorsport scene. He's coming back to Carrera Cup in 2021. So we're going to talk to him a little about that and also to help celebrate uh, some of uh, Porsche's rich racing history. We're going to speak to uh, 
a bunch of people who have been intrinsically linked to the Porsche brand. Guys like Jim Richards, John Bow, Peter Fitzgerald, the Groves, who have been in the news just of late. And of course, Adeline Hamilton, whose family was part of bringing the Porsche brand to Australia 70 years ago. So big episode. But before we get into talking about some of those uh, sexy German race cars, let's talk about some news. All right, here we are. This is the news. It's brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. It's actually not brought to us. It's brought to you, isn't it? You, the listener. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it. There's plenty going on in the world of Australian motorsport. Um, Tony D, I reckon the David Reynolds, Penwright, Kellys and Groves was probably the biggest thing that's happened over the last week. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it certainly uh, we've known a, about a lot of this uh, information or rumours, I should say, uh, especially about Reynolds joining uh, Kelly Racing uh, and Penwright potentially going to Kelly Racing as well. But the Kelly Grove Racing partnership, that took uh, a lot of people by surprise, I think. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's great. Great for Kelly Racing. It, 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 obviously a good investment into the team. They can hopefully take the next step. They've got uh, a good direction for, you know, the next five years or so that they can invest in the team and try and bridge that gap to some of the really big, big teams in in the championship. So I'm, I'm sure that's what they're trying to achieve. And, you know, for, for Dave Reynolds, finds himself a home at a team that's up and coming and uh, got some good backing behind them. Um, once again, he he gets saved by Rick Kelly. I mean, that, that's been, <laughs> that's happened before in, in the past where, Rick basically saved his career when he went to Kelly Racing originally. And uh, this time around, if Rick hadn't have retired, then this opportunity wouldn't have come up. So, yeah, it's really interesting and it's a big change for Kelly Grove Racing. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see their progress. Uh, I think the cars look okay. I'm not a huge fan. I think think it's very busy. Um, It looks like a Penrod car. It it just looks like a Penrod car. It's just another... Another another Penrite car, so I, I don't know if we all should have been too surprised. Look, I'm all about you know less is more, and unfortunately that's got more than less. So <laughs> um, it's it just a little busy for me. But hey, it's great to you know maintain and, and have Penrite in the championship, and you know they want to follow Dave um, wherever he goes. And another person that's following Dave is uh, Alistair McVean as well, who we knew had left um, Penrite. But uh, good to have that partnership or that engineering partnership again with Dave um, because he knows exactly what Dave needs from from a race car and hopefully will speed up the, the learning curve for Dave and the team as well. So they're, they're definitely um, you know, ticking some big boxes there and, and trying to gear that team up to take the next step. Yep. Well, we'll uh, we'll see if they are able to take that next step. Certainly, we all know that David Reynolds is capable and able to do that job. The uh, the Kellys, we've seen them uh, win some races. We've seen them finish on podiums and and maybe threaten, but uh, never consistently. So that's the big question mark. But you know what? It looks like the ingredients are there, and mm. and the the addition of the Groves coming in with. Uh, some of their business clout, some of uh, obviously the the financial additions that that they'll bring, it should work if done right. So, um, uh, yeah. looking forward to how that relationship uh, goes and and matures over uh, over the next bit. So, David Reynolds gets confirmed. It leaves just one seat left at Team Sydney alongside your old Kiwi mate Fabian Coulthard. Who's going to get that? Last time I said something about Team Sydney, the, the DJR fan page went crazy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so it was good that they're actually listening. I have no idea. I have not heard any rumours around that. I mean, Chris Pith is probably still in the mix, potentially Alex Davison. I, I really don't know. Um, it's a bit of a quiet one. We spoke about it last time. Um, it'll probably be done at uh, the last hour, so just be, just before the test day. So, yeah, I don't know. I've got no idea. Have you heard any, anything? Oh, yeah, well... If um, you have a look at some of the social media commentary on some of the posts around who might go there and all of the obvious suspects get mentioned, people like Chris Pither, people like Alex mm. Davison. One person who does pop up in some of those is uh, Gary Jacobson. Of course, he drove for 
Matt Stone racing in 2020 and did, did mm. a, a reasonable job. He actually drove for Kelly Racing in 2019 as well. So he's got a bit of experience, probably hasn't been given the best of opportunities yet to show his full potential. But, mm. and I don't know if this seat is um, one that's actually going to, you know, give him that real chance to to show his colors. But um, uh, actually, it I would certainly be better. I have heard that a while ago. I'd forgotten about that one. I think that might actually be pretty close, close to the mark, that one. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, look, there's only one seat left. You know, I'm I'm sure Chris Pither would like uh, you know another another chance at it as well. But um, I think we'll that seat's going to come down to budget. Um, whether he's got some financial backing himself or some sponsors, the team I think will need that second car to have a little bit of help um, financially. And unfortunately, that's just the reality of of it. They're probably not in the position to have two paid drivers. And uh, yeah, Gary. I think can assist with that. And unless Chris Pitha can bring that Coca-Cola money, like uh, he sort of helped introduce the team last year. Um, I Coke think cash. Gary's probably, Coke cash. Uh, I think Gary's probably in the prime seat, to be honest. Okay. Well, we'll find out. We're not too far away from the Supercars Championship kicking off for 2021. Actually, uh, the, the, uh, the season's going to launch with a test day at... Mm. Uh, it was meant to be at Sydney Motorsport Park. That's what it was originally announced as. But it looks like the Queensland teams are going to test up at Queensland Raceway uh, mid-Feb. And then the day after, the Victorian teams are going to test at Winton. So That's, that's um, like it used to be in the old days, mate. It used to be like <laughs> that in the old days. We didn't, yep. didn't bother about trying to get to one circuit. But it does make a lot of sense to do it that way, especially with the COVID situation. Yep. Uh, and restrictions and things like that. But the beauty of ha- having, having a joint test day is you, guys like yourself can do all the media stuff they need to do. They can do tracking shots. They can get photos on track, you know, headshots, and everyone's just in the same place. So yep. and before the season starts, you can gather a lot of that content for TV and, and all that. And that's the main reason why they try and do it. But this time around, it's just not going to be feasible, I don't think. So I think that's pretty much locked in. That's the way they're going to do it. Mm. Yep. Um, cool. A little bit more supercars news before we divert to a different category. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of engineering uh, confirmation at DJR and AAA. We'll start with DJR. The DJR have confirmed that Ludo will engineer Anton Di Pasquale and Richard Harris will, will engineer Will Davison. Uh, so there's been a few little title changes within the organization as well, but basically everyone's maintained the similar role. Um, but there has been that little bit of a shift with the engineering stuff that there was originally some chat about Ludo just overseeing both the cars. Um, yep. I'm not exactly sure why that, that hasn't happened, but anyway, it's good for, uh, I think it's good for Anton to have a really experienced hand helping him learn the car. And I think vice versa on the other way with Rich um, he's, been under Ludo's wing for the last few years and uh, Rich and Will already have a relationship back from Erebus. So I think that's a really good option. Well, I hope Anton can understand Ludo's very thick French accent. <laughs> that's a tricky bit. That's a tr- just, just, uh, just press the radio button and say, copy, copy. That's it. <laughs> uh, now with Triple Eight, uh, Graham McPherson obviously has moved on and, and joined Walkinshaw Racing. So it's left a bit of a hole there. Grant was SVG's engineer. So now they've got Couchy moving across from Wink Up. So Wink Up and Couchy have had a partnership there for a couple of years. Uh, so Couchy will now engineer SVG and Wes McDougall. Uh, he's new to Triple Eight, uh, but definitely not new to the sport. He's been around it for many, many years and a, mm. a senior engineer. So it brings a huge amount of experience. Um, he's going to join Jamie. So there's been a little bit of a shift there. And I think. Again, they're going to have great backup, you know, with their their data engineers and other engineers within their organisation. So, both teams are making a few changes, but I think at the end of the day, it won't make a huge difference to their performance. Yep. Wes McDougall, it, um, I think, I think it's Wes. When I was at Motorsport News in the mid two thousands, uh, when I just started being a journalist, first started in the sport, I'd I'd written a story about. Uh, Borland's Formula Ford team 
and I'm pretty sure it was Wes who was working there at the time. And I'd, uh, I'd called out Wes in a, in a news story. And not long after that, I saw Wes and his dad, I think it was Wes, at, uh, at the ball and race shop. And uh, his dad came up to me and he said, oh, thanks for writing that story. And uh, thanks for mentioning Wes in there. But I'd actually, I'd, I'd called him a mechanic. Uh, not an engineer and he said oh just just so that you know uh, he's an engineer he's not a mechanic I didn't pay all that money for him to go to university (laughs) for him to be known as a mechanic he's an engineer so um yeah that was fair enough that was a lesson for me (laughs) that's fair enough well he's certainly done his apprenticeship now um gonna join one of the best drivers in the country so pressure's on pressure's on to perform but I'm sure he's up to the task Okay, so um, we can talk a little bit about the ARG test day down at Phillip mm-hmm. Island um, that uh, where you were 10th. We were expecting mm. so much more, but as you say, no championship points. It was a great way for the Australian Racing Group to uh, launch its season, some really great photography, some, uh, some awesome uh, video content that has come out of that that um, I'm going to try and bring to life before we get to uh, Simmons Plains in, in just under a week's time. So uh, it's real. We're, we're going racing. It's, it's all happening. The big news though, that happened on the day of the tests was Chaz Mostert being confirmed at Melbourne performance center to drive an Audi RS three in the first round of the TCR Australia series. He was down there at Phillip Island buzzing around. Did you have a chance to talk to Chaz about his new gig? I did. I spoke to him a few times. Uh, he was head scratching a little bit at times. Uh, he's like, geez, this thing's a bit different to drive. Again, I think he was running around on pretty old rubber because it all wasn't sort of making sense to him. So uh, those guys, um, I don't think they put rubber on them during the day. So again, not really indicative of the time that he could have done, but he definitely, definitely uh, was struggling a little bit with the cold tire on uh, the outlaps. He said, <laughs> he said he almost looped it a couple of times in the first run. He couldn't believe how slippery it was. It was just uh, like ice. So bloody cool to have someone like Chaz in the championship that, you know, has a full-time seat. It's not like he's just trying to find something else to do. He's, he's actually uh, joining the category because he he likes the look of it. He, he thinks it's going to be competitive and it's going to be a benefit to his career. So um, that's really, really cool. And it just makes the competition level go through the roof. You know, mm. current supercar guys, we've got ex-supercar guys. And it's not all about supercar racing, obviously, but in Australia, that's the pinnacle. So for those drivers that have sort of dropped down or, or competing um, that have competed in supercars, they've, they've competed at that really high level. And then, as we've mentioned, you, you throw in some of these other young guys, you know, Dylan O'Keefe topped the day. Um, Jordan Cox was really quick as well. Aaron Cameron in the Peugeot was super, super fast too. So um, you've got these young blokes uh, knocking over some of these more credential drivers. So it's going to be so interesting down at Simmons Plains. It's actually, it's it's going to be great to watch. So make sure you do tune in to Tassie there and uh, and see all the action. The big news for me though, Grant, mm-hmm. massive, massive news, fantastic for the sport or for um, TCR was the uh, announcement of Super Cheap Auto joining, yeah. uh, joining TCR as the Name Your Rights partner for the next five years. That's a massive get, and I think it's fantastic for the for TCR. Just shows the the amount of momentum that TCR are, are gathering, and uh, you know, to get a big sponsor like that shows they've got confidence in the in TCR and, and what we're all about. So, good on them, and uh, looking forward to working with them for the next few years. Yeah, it will be exciting. You can see from some of their past marketing, some of their past uh, media. Uh, content that they produce you know they they like to um you know be fun and uh mm. enjoy you know, create be creative with with some of their stuff so i think it'll be a a good partnership it's certainly got a lot of potential fantastic as you say that you know a five-year commitment is uh, is is huge so um it's exactly what uh, tcr australia needed it's um you know vital for uh, ARG to have a uh, you know a big partner like that to help drive the message, and we thought that Super Cheap Auto wasn't going to be or have too much of a presence at uh, at Mount Panorama anymore after having such a long relationship supporting the Bathurst One Thousand as the naming rights sponsor. 
But uh, as it turns out, through TCR, they're going to get to go back there twice this year. Twice. Mm. We'll be going there in uh, April and then later on in the year for uh, the Bathurst International. So exciting times in the TCR Australia land. Um, Okay, so the uh, Grand Prix, uh, we'd mentioned in our last episode, TD, and we'd sort of uh, sort of predicted that the the GP might be completely cancelled, but that wasn't right. We were wrong. We were flat out wrong. It's been postponed to November. Now, whether that actually happens or not, wow. it, it might a, be a soft way to cancel this thing. Yeah. It is wow. a shame. It's a bloody shame. Um, and now means that supercars are going to pick up at uh, Sandown, which is great. And I'm sure you want to talk about that. But, you know, to say that it's just postponed till November, I think is, you know, the, the likelihood of the event going ahead in November, I think is unlikely. Can you imagine if we're still in the same situation where everyone's got to quarantine for two weeks prior? Yeah, it won't Can't happen. happen for and that, that's guys. that's the that's the thing. Like if if we get to the stage where we don't have to quarantine, they can just come in and do the event. Then yeah, it will happen because you know everyone in Australia wants it to happen and the governments and all that sort of stuff. So, but if they've got to quarantine, it just will not happen. You heard it first. Right. It won't happen. So yeah, supercars at Sandown. Uh, which is great because it's just down the road from me, so I can at least go and watch it. Yep. Um, I wish it was the Sandown 500, though. Uh, but that's just you being selfish. Exactly. Exactly. It means I can put an extra invoice in. <laughs> well, so, so you prefer to put in an invoice rather than like having the opportunity to compete there? Oh, What's no, more no, important? No, What's more important no, no, no. to you? Def- definitely the competing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that the competing side helps pay my mortgage. That's that is for sure. Now they go hand in hand, and uh, yeah. I don't know. Like it's just one of those events that I would stay at home, and it was really weird because you had your your home life as normal, and then you were still trying to like focus and and be this bloody race driver. Um, but then you get home and you get given the kids and start making dinner and, you know, do your chores and all that. It just didn't feel like a normal race meeting um, to be focusing that much and, and then be brought back down to uh, reality when you get yep. home. So, but the Santa 500 is such a good leading, leading event to the Bathurst 1000 that to have, see another sprint race, which we've seen in the past, it's going to be a bit weird because you've got the Bathurst sprint race and then you've got Sandown sprint as well. It's like we're going back in time. Yep. Oh well, uh, let's uh, let's see how all of that unfolds. Um, and uh, from the uh, ARG point of view, maybe a potential to have one or two of our categories, the uh, categories that I need to look after in some of my regular regular uh, work, the uh, the stuff that helps pay my mortgage. Maybe they'll be there as a. Um, so what are we talking about? Support Australian GT. Uh, I think S five thousand and. S5000. S5000 and Touring Car Masters both had TBCs uh, listed for earlier in the year. Nothing was mm. confirmed about, about potential those going to the Grand Prix. Yeah, but S5000 weren't going to the Grand Prix again, were they? Uh, well, there was a TBC for March for yeah, S5000. Okay. Yep. So yep. something needs to slot into that uh, that little period because mm-hmm. the, it's a it's a short four round championship that will decide the Australian drivers gold star winner. So an extra event has to happen for Motorsport Australia to um, award the the gold star. So um, uh, hopefully S five thousand can get up on that at that supercar Sandown round and and mm-hmm. like awesome support category for supercars like yeah two heroic v8 powered events together um, it'll be a battle it'll be like a battle who's got the the louder exhaust on the thing (laughs) well did sandown are really uh, restrictive on that as well aren't they they? because those houses are uh, so damn close now i think they have like five weekends a year they can go above that noise restriction so Uh, okay they might as well put them both on the same weekend yeah, well, it's a big win for the fans as well, particularly when we, we can't have the Australian Grand Prix in town. At least we still get to have some, uh, down here in Melbourne at, at the very least, have some nice early good quality motorsport with supercars and whatever uh, support categories they bring. So um, yep. 
wow, I can't believe it. We're actually going to go racing and um, and uh, so, p- parked up is uh, not not a thing. We have to we <laughs> probably have to come up with a new name, right? No, 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 no. It's just going to be parked up still. All right. Um, what else, what other news have we got? Anything else, or are we going to move on to our our oh, chats? No, let's move on. Let's move right, on. Let's get let's young. move on. Let's uh, we're going to make it all about all about Porsche. Now let's uh, actually let's be quite clear here. It is it's Porsche. It's pronounced Porsche. I I, I see you say is Porsche. It? I just say Porsche. It's Porsche. Sorry, we're going to be correct. Let's Sorry. be correct. Okay. Now Porsche has such a long and rich heritage here in Australia. Seventy years they celebrate uh, since since first coming to uh, this great country down under, and they've always supported their the motorsport scene. They've always been involved in in some ways. Now, originally it was Alan Hamilton's father who uh, brought Porsche to Australia all those years ago, and and Alan was uh, actually uh, worked out quite well for him because he was quite handy behind the uh, behind the wheel of, uh, of of race cars, and and he was one of the first to uh, use the car to compete here in Australia, and uh, that legacy uh, lives on today through the uh, amazing Carrera Cup championship that that we see as a support class to to supercars, and uh, there's so many of the things, there's so many of those. Uh, those Carrera Cup cars that they even have a second championship now with the uh, Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, which um, which operates on the Shannon's Motorsport Australia support bill. So uh, we, we see Porsches racing lots and lots, and we, we always have. Tony, you've done a bit of work uh, for Porsche through the, through the track experience that's run by uh, Thomas Mazira. Or as uh, uh, Aaron Noonan would uh, would tell us, it's uh, Mesera is the actual pr- correct pronunciation of uh, of Thomas's surname. But uh, but Porsche is a it, it's it's more than a it's more than a car. It's you know it's it's mm. one of the leading brands around the world. What's what's your thoughts when you think of Porsche? What do you think? Oh, I think of a lifestyle. Uh, I think, as you said, it's more than just a brand. It's more than just a car. You, you, you're purchasing that car and you're joining a family and a, um, a, a lifestyle, I guess, that's surrounded by motorsport. Um, they've got such a rich heritage in, in motorsport. And I just think Porsche do it so well with their, their racing here in Australia. You know, you, you go and join the Crow Cup Championship and the hospitality that they provide at the racetrack is just second to none. Like you can always get a good coffee. The mm. meals are outstanding. Aren't they? Um, you can entertain your friends and family, uh, sponsors. Like even at the Gold Coast, they have their marquee set up over the water. So they're overlooking the, the water. Um, on, and, and where their pit lane is at the Gold Coast, it's the other end of the world. And you think, oh, that's, you know, they just pushed them to the back and, you know, they're not part of the whole event, but the way they set up their marquee and they set up like a whole little function area, you know, like they, they, they turn it into something special. And I think that that sort of is exactly what Porsche is about. It's a special brand, they're special cars. And uh, when you do drive one, you can feel all that engineering, uh, the money invested in the, in the brand. And um, yeah, they're very, very special cars. Certainly a car that I would like to own in my lifetime. <laughs> Well, if you keep working hard and you uh, keep, keep doing, doing podcasts, we'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so so you've driven and raced a lot of things, mm. but never a Porsche, I don't believe. No, I haven't raced a Porsche. Uh, I've driven plenty on track events. Uh, I do work for the Porsche Track Experience uh, as part of their team, but I haven't actually raced one yet, Grant. And uh, that's something that I do want to tick off because I think it's such a good championship. You know, not not a cheap championship. You know, like if you bend one of those cars, yeah, you're up for quite a bit of money. Um, and that's probably the scary bit for me. Not so much finding the running budget, but if you do have an oops, it's um, it can certainly cost you a bit of money. So um, always looking for an opportunity because I think the cars are fantastic. You know, it's a very close championship. You know, there's not a huge amount you can change on the cars. So it really does come down to the team preparing the car. 
making sure that everything's right and uh, the driver's doing a great job. So the thing that I love about the Carrera Cup Championship is that it actually gives a pathway um, if you want to go over to Europe. We've seen Matty Campbell do that um, and become one of the factory Porsche drivers. And that all started from the Porsche program here in Australia um, with uh, Andy McElroy. Uh, and Jackson Evans as well. Um, you know, he's been overseas uh, racing for Porsche and he's sort of in that Porsche family, not quite as much as uh, what Matty is, um, but still to get that opportunity to go and race for Porsche all over the world is bloody amazing, you know, and there's nothing else here in Australia that you can do to set yourself up um, for an international career. So um, there's no pathway. There's, there's no... Um, financial support there's no opportunity you know that they, they don't no one picks up the phone to someone in europe and say hey i've got a really good driver here and uh, you should help them out you know that pathway is is so clear for for porsche and they give opportunity to a lot of drivers so you know if you have that aspiration to go overseas and race against the best and uh you know you want to race sports cars then you would certainly spend your time in the porsche Carrera cup australia championship yeah, it is a clear pathway. And even if uh, European or uh, international racing wasn't your thing, uh, we've seen so many Australians use the Porsche system to just get their head around, you know, the, the first uh, tin top uh, racing, you know, out of Formula Ford or whatever, mm. uh, the likes of Fabian Coulter, the, mm. David Reynolds, uh, guys who we know and love now racing at the top end of supercars were former champions in in Carrera Cup so I think it's a breeding ground for sure yeah I think because it's so well respected within the industry um, if you're winning in that championship then you've got some really good credentials so uh, people are always watching and and sort of sussing out who's doing really well in that championship because they know that it's so competitive so um, you're right there's uh, there's so many drivers uh, that have taken that next step, not just overseas, but um, into supercars. Um, it might be sidestep into other categories as well. Uh, Nick Foster comes to comes to mind as well. You know, he's established himself as one of the best GT drivers in the world, and that all started from Curra Cup in Australia. Um, now, uh, yeah, certainly good for the young guys, but uh, there's a couple of old chaps who have used Porsche through the years to uh, make their own name and and continue their racing journey. And the first one uh, that we'll, we'll grab a quick word from is Jim Richards. Of course, Jim has won uh, the Bathurst 1000 seven times, uh, touring car champion, absolute legend of the sport. And when Carrera Cup first came to Australia, this was 2003, and Jim uh, raced in the championship. He won the championship uh, against a, a pretty hot field of um, experienced guys and also some young uh, up-and-comers as well. And even Jim then, who uh, at that point would have been well into his um, 50s, was uh, was still able to take that title and um but look he'd, he'd had a, a long relationship with porsche prior to that through all this target tasmania stuff he um he won that uh he won targa i think it was eight times absolute mm. joke the guy's mm. a he, the guy was a freak regarded as the best touring car driver in the world in his heyday and continued his racing uh with porsche uh there's no better person to talk to than uh, about the brand so we've grabbed him for a quick chat. Well, when I first got my first Porsche, it was a 968 Club Sport. And I never thought I would be a Porsche owner. Um, you know, I, I, I thought they were overpriced and, uh, you know, a lot like, like a modified Volkswagen, you might say. But, of course, I soon learned that they weren't. And the first race that I had in a Porsche was uh, in the 968 at the 12-hour at Bathurst. And uh, I got the chance to buy one of those cars... Uh, after I think it was two 12 hours and a six hour. And um, when I bought it, I asked um, if, if the motor had been re replenished. Or and they said, no, 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 it's exactly as it finished. And I couldn't believe it. You know, it just drove so good. And it was, the performance was good. Its reliability was good. Everything was good about it. So I, uh, so I raced that car in GT production for a season. And then um, sold it and got a uh, continued to, to buy Porsches because I just 
you didn't really have to modify them at all. You know, they, they, were, they were road cars, but race cars as well. And uh, the, um, the modifications were nil and the reliability was 100%. So that was Jim. Now, someone else who's had a long racing history with Porsche in Australia is Peter Fitzgerald. He's done everything from track days to Bathurst 12 hours and uh, everything in between with Porsche. He still owns a tuning business for uh, prestige cars down here in Melbourne. He still has a lot to do with Porsche. He loves the brand. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a vehicle manufacturer that punches above its weight um, for, for bang for buck, quite frankly. Not that they're a cheap car, but when you put them up against the likes, if I had to line up a Lambo, a Ferrari, a Porsche, um, and whatever, a Maserati, and say I want to do a 500-kilometre event, I know which car I'd rather be in. Now, one guy that doesn't have a rich heritage in Porsches, but is one of the brand's biggest fans, is a man called John Bow. He has owned 35 Porsches over his lifetime. Now, we know JB has been around for uh, for quite some time. He's been there and done that with uh, with everything in, uh, in, in terms of racing, but he, uh, he has owned a lot of Porsche road cars. Knowing JB, I'm sure he's flipped some of them for, uh, for <laughs> a little bit of uh, side cash hustle, but um, he is a, a massive Porsche lover and I grabbed him for a chat. I wouldn't say any of them were multi-year things. I just loved them. So if they came along and I had some money, I would buy them, you know, and I'd drive them and then I'd sell them. So it was sort of a half a hobby, half a half a, a passion, you know. And I mean, it, it encompasses everybody thinks Porsche, they think 911s. But I had, I've had uh, 944 turbos. I've had uh, one, two, three, four 928s in various guises, which were a fabulous car, you know, like a fantastic open road cruising GT car. And of course, I've had quite a few Boxsters, which you know are, are the best value Porsche on the market still. Um, the only one, ones I haven't had, I haven't had an SUV, which you know most of the sales now are SUVs. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm a, a flat flat six addict. So that was JB. Now, just to swing back to some modern racing, I also spoke to Stephen Grove about his competition. Now, Stephen's been racing in Australia uh, not for too long. I think uh, as a, a gentleman driver who uh, wanted to get into competition, he started in the um, the Michelin Sprint Challenge, uh, as as it's known now. Uh, and has made his way up through the ranks and has even gone and competed in, in Super Cup over in Europe. So he's uh, certainly travelled the full journey, not just as not not as like a rising star, but at that amateur level, but but still getting to do like the biggest and coolest of the events. You know, racing at Monaco. How uh, how cool is that? He's going to race in the GT World Challenge Australia Championship down here. Uh, in Australia, formula known as Australian GT, and he's going to use the mighty GT3R. Yeah, we've we've driven it. Uh, we've driven them three times in 2019 in Rome. That was the first time, I think, nearly one of the first times I've been driven. So it was the new R. Uh, so I think it's new R. So we drove it in Rome, and then we brought one over from Germany to race at the Bathurst 12 Hour. So we raced it there. Um, and then we ha- and then we've ordered a new one to be built, a brand new one to be built, which is a 2021. Same car, but it's just a 2021. But yeah, how would you explain it? I mean, a cup car is an unbelievably well engineered and built car. You know, it's really good and and it hits the right. Um, they build a lot of them, but the R is is a specific. I mean, the the cup cars are specific built race car, but this is the next level. You know, the aero, the technology that goes into these cars. I mean, this is a very, very special car. And finally, I spoke to Alan Hamilton, whose father brought Porsche to Australia uh, 70 years ago as uh, Porsche celebrates its uh, 70th year here in Australia. Now, uh, Alan was, uh, you know, part of the 
Porsche Australia story, uh, not just behind the scenes, but also behind the wheel of a race car. Uh, he's uh, been there and done that all across the world. But the one thing that I was really interested in was the fact that he finished second in a Porsche 911 in the Australian Touring Car Championship in 1969. Porsche almost won the biggest motorsport trophy that we have here uh, right now um, in the Ford and Holden era of the sport. That that seems absolutely unlikely um, or impossible. But Alan Hamilton almost did it all those years ago, and I grabbed him to talk about that. I finished third in the Touring Car Championship in 68 and second in in 69 uh, with Norm Beachy blowing up completely as he crossed the finishing line but with about three laps to go I think he was nine seconds ahead and uh, I overtook him about 10 feet past the the start finish line Um, but it was all good fun and uh, I think it showed uh, not only the pace of, of the 911 but also its reliability and, and stuff. We pulled our engine apart at the end of the year only to find there was nothing wrong with it and put it all back together again exactly as it was. And we thank Jim, John, Peter, Stephen and Alan for their thoughts on Porsche and its uh, its history and its legacy in Australia. And now we're going to talk to a very good friend of ours, Tony. Yeah, we've got our good mate, Luke Yildon, on the phone. Uh, well, we're going to get him on the phone, I should say. Now, Luke is basically the right-hand man to Thomas Mazira, or mm-hmm. however Aaron Noonan pronounces it. <laughs> well, how Thomas pronounces it, it's Mazira. But <laughs> Mazira. I, don't, I, can't see, I can't see us changing from Mazira, right? No, that's how we know him, and that's how our accent pronounces his name. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've done a little bit of work, as I've mentioned, with the, the Porsche track experience. And Thomas is just so dry, so straight to the point. He's just a really unique character to work with. And he's actually a really genuine guy. But Luke gets to spend 90% of his time alongside him because he's trying to learn the ropes to take over this Porsche track experience when Thomas finally retires. So at the moment, they're basically doing 50 50 uh, of the events. So Thomas will do half, he'll do the other half, probably the ones that Thomas doesn't want to do. And part of that is actually managing all the driver trainers. So we have a group chat and although we all race each other and we've got respect for each other, when Lukey talks on the group chat, everybody has to listen. Uh, Whereas on some of the other group chats that he might be part of, he's just one of the lads. So it's interesting to see him step up into that role and it's been probably two or three years uh, in the making, but I think there's probably a couple more years. I don't think Thomas is going to retire just yet, but I think Luke's pretty happy to to have him there as a bit of a sounding board, um, especially during these really difficult times through COVID. You know, the, the driver training landscape basically stopped and they had to really pivot, Grant. Had to pivot. 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 Uh, <laughs> or adjust uh and, and uh that's still going on now you know they've only just postponed their first event for the year which everyone's spewing about but so that's the sort of stuff that luke's having to deal with day to day but he's got some exciting news to share with us that he's going to join the porsche career cup australian championship one that he's actually been part of uh many years ago which um we'll, we'll ask him about that but to have that opportunity again to race against these young blokes um, I think he's probably, uh, he, he wants to tick that off. You know, he wants to try and win that championship and he'll be giving it everything he can. So an amazing opportunity for him to jump back in full time into the championship uh, with a new team as well. And uh, I think the old dog has, uh, has got a few more races in him just yet. Well, let's ask him about that and more. It's Luke Yildon on the Parked Up podcast and we're powered by Race Fuels. And it's great to welcome Luke Yildon onto the Parked Up podcast. Luke, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, guys. I've wanted to be on this podcast for a little while, to be honest. And, and Tony and I are actually reasonably good mates, but obviously not that good. <laughs> Tony, they all say this. They are, we're either <laughs> super popular or they're just taking the mickey. <laughs> I think we're getting a little bit more popular. Uh, but you're right. We have been mates for a little while. We caught up recently just at Sandown and did a, did a pretty cool gig for Porsche. 
And uh, we want to talk about your relationship with Porsche um, today because it's, it's quite a special relationship. Um, now, you're actually going back racing uh, in, in Cup Car for this year. Um, yep. Tell us about that opportunity because it's with a new team. Do you sort of play a bit of a role within that team? And, and what else is on the cards? Yeah, um, to answer your point question, I guess, uh, TechWorks is the, is the team. And that they're a brand new, well, not, not so much a brand new team. They've been running under, I guess, a customer arrangement uh, before with a team out of Sydney. Uh, I came on board to, to preliminary coach uh, Rob Woods, his name, who owns the team. So he, he races a Sprint Challenge car, which is obviously the slightly older model um, Carrera Cup cars. And he's also got a current model Carrera Cup car, which I guess it's just been sitting around and you want someone to have a steer of it, I guess. So that's probably how I've just sort of fallen into it. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an awesome bloke. So he's... Um, yeah, we, we, we sort of did, we planned on doing a couple of rounds last year, to be honest. We we're, were going to do Bathurst, uh, I think Townsville rounds, just to just to get the TechWorks name out there and sort of let everyone know what, what we're up to. Obviously, COVID put a, put a stop to that. We ended up doing um, Townsville tin tops in, in the older model car, and that was a bit of fun. Uh, that was a last minute sort of step in for me because Rob um, had a few little commitments. He, he sort of had to jump out of the car after practice. So um, it's it's been a bit of an ongoing relationship Last year, I coaches his daughter Zoe, and she's got big aspirations of, of one day becoming a, a race driver. So uh, yeah, it's a sort of sort of worked out, and I think we'll continue this year, sort of coaching Zoe, racing the Carrera Cup car, and also coaching Rob in, in Sprint Challenge. It's it's not a brand new thing for you jumping into the Porsche Carrera Cup Championship. You've you've done it before. It, embarrassingly, this was. Uh, 15 or 16 years ago that you did a, a full championship. Now at that point you were like the a, a, a rising star uh, in the sport. You know, you hadn't quite got a, a full-time supercars deal at, at that point. And that was obviously what you were sort of working towards at that point of your career. But, you know, you were fighting up against the likes of Fabian Coulthard and Jonathan Webb, David Reynolds, 16 years. Sixteen years yep. on the track, you yeah, you now enter that that championship as like a supremely experienced driver. Expectations. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was 05 when I did that. I actually signed a deal to go full time racing in uh, in V8 supercars. Believe it or not, the end of 04 um, didn't happen, and the fallback was uh, was Stone Brothers gig with with Russell. And part of their um, relationship, I guess, was with Tony Quinn, and they, and they put me in the in the Carrera Cup car. So that's how that started. Um, up against some really good guys, as you as you mentioned. But um, yeah, expectations moving forward to this year. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be competitive. You know, that, that, that's probably the biggest thing. I'm under no illusion that it's 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 going to be tough. Um, there's some really quick young guys in it that have been doing it for quite a while. And, and they test a lot. And they, every, every time I go out somewhere, I, I see someone from McElroy Racing or Sonic Racing, they're, they're throwing tyres at cars all the time. They're, they're, they're doing some miles. So we're probably not in that uh, position or that sort of luxurious position to keep throwing tyres and keep testing. So I'm going to have to rely on my experience, as, as you mentioned. Um, I think I can do it. I'd, I'd like to finish you know, at least top five in the championship. Top three is my expectation. I think uh, Rob's expectation was was top five. I'd like to win the odd race or two, get the odd pole, just just be competitive. Yeah. It's um, certainly going to be challenging, uh, as you mentioned, some of those young guys that we actually watched recently at Sandown. Um, it wasn't even a championship round, um, but guys like Aaron Love um, out there testing, practicing, getting themselves prepped for this year's championship. So, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of competition. Now, I want to move to your relationship with Porsche. You're, you're basically their main man now in Australia. Um, you've sort of been groomed by uh, Thomas Mazira, and uh, you've been working very closely with him for, for a lot of years. Tell us about that transition and also what it's like to work under somebody like Thomas. And if you do know Thomas, he's very dry, very you know, straight to the point, but a great bloke as well to work with. Yeah, I first met Thomas in 05 uh, when he was when I was actually racing Carrera Cup and he was the DSO or DSA, I can't remember what they called him back then, but uh, I actually had some trouble. Yes, I got in trouble quite a bit, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> I think maybe the squeaky wheel got the oil sort of deal. So yeah, I've been actually working under Thomas since then. So it's been quite a long relationship. I regard him as a, as a bit of a mentor. Uh, again, 
it, was, it probably happened maybe five years ago. Thomas sort of made grumblings that he was, you know, his time as, as chief driving instructor was maybe you could see the end of it coming and he, and he needed to develop someone to take over his role and he wanted it to come from his ranks, his boys, I guess. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I did to, to sort of fit that bill, but I, I guess he approached me to to try and take over his role eventually. And the last year or two, we've been working towards that. I've sort of been running half the days. He's been running the other half, and just trying to learn as much as I can from him in that in that senior role while while he's around. I mean, I don't really see when the end is that I'm going to take over totally, but. Um, it's not too far away and, and I'm happy just to continue doing what I'm doing with Thomas and learning as much as I can under him. So just tell us a little bit about the Porsche driving experience and, and what and what it entails. So this is uh, people like myself or, or, uh, or guys who want to uh, just experience racing driving cars at a, at a, um, at a fast speed. And uh, is, it, is it their cars or is it, uh, you know, vehicles that Porsche has there available for them? How does, it, how does a typical day there look? Yeah, so the Porsche driving school has been operating since the late 90s here in, in Australia. And we, we roughly run historically 90 days a year. So it's actually, they're actually quite prolific, probably the most prolific um, driver training company there is in, in this country, I guess. So we run um, lots of levels, five levels. Our cars, so we're all based out at uh, Mount Cotton in, in Queensland. We, our, our first level runs for about 24 people and then we gradually stage that down as we get closer and closer to level five, we call it internally, which is driving the Carrera Cup car. So you can, you don't have to be a race driver, you don't have to be a Porsche owner, you can be anyone, you just have to just come along. And, and, and the best thing about the Porsche driving school is you have guys like Tony, you have guys like myself, Craig Baird, you know, Stephen Johnson, um, you know, Steve Owen, these, these sort of guys that are all quality experienced guys, which you don't typically get in any other driving school. So um, we take you from, from low levels all the way to, to high levels as well. And how long does it take to progress from those, through those levels? Uh, if you're good enough, you go just through across the five days. So uh, leading up to this year, we'd have lots of overseas groups, to be honest, like Singaporeans, uh, Malaysians that will come over and believe it or not, do five days straight and go from level one to level five, all, all in five days. We probably don't recommend doing it that quickly because, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot of mental stress as well as physical stress. Um, trying to trying to take that much in in a short period of time. So typically what most people will do if they do have aspirations to get all the way to the Carrera Cup car is maybe do uh, one to, to three levels, have a bit of a break and come back and do the last two or maybe even short, or maybe even just sort of, I, I guess, do level three again and, and start again. So we have lots of people that come back and do do the levels multiple times just because they have so much fun. So we, we get lots of guys that, you know, gone to level five and, and instead of buying their own Carrera Cup car or race car, instead of racing, they, they come to us sort of five times a year. It's a lot cheaper than buying a $300,000 Carrera Cup car and going racing. So if they, they get their fix and they get their buzz. They get that to a point where they might do that for a few years and then they just got to go and do go and do their own thing. So um, we, we see them all. And have you seen anyone experience it and enjoy it so much that they go and you know, buy a Porsche and go and compete in Sprint Challenge or, or something like that and start their own Porsche journey? Absolutely. There's there's probably a lot of uh, gentlemen drivers in particular in Sprint Challenge and GT. They've all been through the Porsche driving school. Yep, all of them. Amazing. Yeah. I reckon yep. Porsche do an amazing job. I mean, I, we obviously do, we work between different brands and not so much for you anymore, but we've all been around and seen how each uh, manufacturer do it. But Porsche uh, definitely set the bar really high, even the way they present at a racetrack um, for, you know, teams and sponsors and corporates, whoever want to be involved in Carrera Cup. Um, they certainly do set, set that standard really, really high. So this year in Carrera Cup, you're going to obviously run under the, the TechWorks team, but um, are you going to have any particular branding on the car? Is it going to be a major sponsor that we're going to know or is it just going to have minimal signage? Uh, there'll, there'll be partners on the car that you'll recognise. Uh, probably not in position to, to, to make any announcements just yet, but that'll come <sighs> soon. Come we'll, on. Uh, um, we'll have it's to do another exclusive. Podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, 
yeah um you know what it's like tony until things yeah. are signed <laughs> yeah. until you're actually sitting on the grid you're not actually sure if you're racing or not so um yeah that we we don't have a major sponsor as such we, we're doing it anyway um mm. we, we've, we've got uh, a fair few minor sponsors that, that'll make it work for us but uh yeah again as always always on the hunt for for, for more support Tony just wanted to know who was the sponsors were or yeah. might be, so we could quickly call them to, <laughs> you know, potentially steal them. Not, it doesn't happen very yeah. often in motorsport, though. I uh, trust Tony. But... Lukey, uh, we've actually shared the best day of our lives together, haven't we? We have. Yeah. 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 Yep. Standing on the Bathurst podium together. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good podium. That's uh, it was pretty much six mates, wasn't it? Really, that was on yeah. that podium. Um, you know, I mean, particularly you, Fabs, and obviously Luffy was on there as well, and, and Dave. It's just uh, that, that was a special day. Yeah, absolutely. No better sort of group of guys I'd like to share the podium with. Let's let's talk a little bit about Bathurst. We obviously missed you last year at Bathurst, and you know, with uh, supercars only having the one enduro now, uh, and at Bathurst, they're really looking for those experienced co-drivers. Will we see you pop up again for 2021? Is that something that you'd like to do? I mean, from my point of view, I think, you know, that Luke Yildon certainly hasn't run his last race at Bathurst. Certainly more to come. Yeah, I think you're right, Tony. I think I'll be there this year. I think I'll be there with you. Um, again, I'm not in position to make that <laughs> yet either. But I've just, I've just, there's been lots of interest, as you said. I think the one race, uh, the fact that we're not opened up to the rest of the world either, um, I think the other the other reason is that you get lots of young guys like you talk about Will Brown and and, and Brody Kostecki. These sort of guys are moving up, so obviously there's there's two co-drivers that would necessarily take a guy uh, like me uh, out of it, I guess. So it, it's a quite a unique sort of time frame for for experienced guys like myself, I guess. Um, Steve Owens, another one I'm, I'm I'm thinking off the top of my head. These sort of guys that have done a lot of Bathurst. Um, Maybe even Canter. I'm not sure what he's up to, but again, it, it puts us in a in a pretty strong position to come back. I think so. Um, I did say I retired from supercars, but again, COVID's changed a lot. Um, the yeah. fact that it's one race, lo lots of things have changed. I guess in two years. Yeah, Tony Farnham, here he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Teams are definitely looking for that experienced hand. You know, they you know can just plug and play. They can put that driver in the seat. Uh, not have to give them heaps of miles leading into to the event and know they're going to be a safe pair of hands. So hopefully, hopefully you can uh, run an exclusive with us in the next chat. <laughs> oh, mate, can do, yeah. It's, I think we briefly mentioned something um, off air at, at Sandown, didn't we, Tony? But it's actually I'm trying not to get it them. Though. It's actually not them either. It's oh, something, really? Things yeah, things have changed oh. again, so... Jeez. Okay. There you go. Yeah, Sounds like a, go. a man. Oh, the, the, the main thing is though, you're going to be on the grid. So that's good. Um, yeah. Well, again, I'll believe it when I'm uh, actually on there. So let's just. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Yeah, yeah. And was that part of the motivation to ensure that the, the Carrera Cup deal got over the line and you got to have basically a full season uh, back in, back in a very competitive championship, very competitive car um, with the idea that, you'll be super race ready for an event like the 1000? I think the, the initial plan was just to try and do Carrera Cup because it's a, it's a championship I've, I've wanted to, to really compete in um, since 05 and, and actually try and win. It just, it's, it's just one of those bucket list things I want to try and do. Um, but as a byproduct of that, obviously, as you mentioned, it gives me a full season of racing. Um, and that's opened the door up then for the supercar opportunity at Bathurst. So I, I think if I wasn't racing Carrera Cup this year, I'm not sure I would have had probably the same interest um, from teams leading into Bathurst because it, it is important to be doing miles. And, and I think that's what let me down uh, in 2019 is, is the fact that it's sort of, you know, it had been, been 10 years for me just basically getting off the couch, racing at Bathurst, you know, and, and competing against guys that are, that, that are just in Super 2, TCR, Carrera Cup, whatever they're doing to, to stay sharp. I mean, I, I thought I sort of did a reasonable job not doing much racing for the last 10 years and then just rocking up and doing the, the, the grand final, if you like. So I think this year I'm really looking forward to doing a full season uh, and, and being sharp leading into Enduro for a change. 
I think the fact that you've got a Bathurst crown might suggest that you've done a reasonable job. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. Now, just just before we let you go, the uh, another thing that keeps you busy these days is uh, a little bit of journalism, trying to kick kick me out of a job, um, <laughs> which I think is very impressive, and it's uh, it does make my life hard. Like if if I was applying for a job versus someone like yourself, and you can say that you're a Bathurst one thousand winner, then I've basically got no shot. No shot. You're doing some writing for car sales. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that opportunity came about, believe it or not, when I actually raced uh, the Fiat 500 um, at the 12 hour in 2014. And and I was uh, the pro driver along with a few journos. And I got along really well with Mike Sinclair, who's the editor in chief of car sales or motoring.com at that point. Um, and they, they sort of just tried me out on a few days. And unfortunately, I probably pulled a few words together that sounded all right. And then they kicked asking me back <laughs> so now i say unfortunately because i feel like i have to do homework all the time now you know that when it's on the back of your head all the time about doing 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 stories and and, and sort of um, i'm writing stories now before i spoke to you guys and it just feels like i've got that hangover of homework always in the back of my head but it's been really fun and actually got me through uh COVID a lot uh in 2020 so i pick up a new car every week do a do a story on it hanging around the roads hanging around a racetrack if i had the opportunity and and string a few words together about it so it's uh it's been a great opportunity i've really enjoyed it something something a little bit different and i, I guess i i wouldn't call myself a journo uh, it's 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 a challenge for me to to write a story it'll probably take you you know two hours it takes me five hours so uh that, that's the difference mate so i think your job's safe um <laughs> I think I, I think I know how to steer, but um, again, it just probably takes me three times as long to write the story. So, because you've got all these uh, cool racing credentials, does that mean you get all the cool cars, or do you also get lumped with some of uh, your everyday people movers? Yes, yeah, so it, it's more I get lumped with the everyday people movers, Grant. So, <laughs> um, I can tell you what a what a Kia Sorento is like around Norwell. I can tell you that not, not a lot of people do, I guess. It's um, Actually, you can probably ask Tony about the Kia Carnivals back in the day. Remember those stories, Tony? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, one, but... actually, just barreling down the straight at Sandown, the back straight, <laughs> Canto's driving, and the car yeah. is full of driver trainers, and it's wet, and he comes banging down into Danny Road and pulls the handbrake. Did you pull the handbrake? Someone pulled no, the handbrake. Someone pulled the handbrake. Someone yeah. pulled the handbrake, and we were, like, going full sideways, and... I thought we were going to you know, go into the sand trap and tumble over. And luckily somehow we didn't. And I remember coming out of that and I was shitty as hell with him. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, well, I want to go home today, mate. You know, he's like, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I want to go home too. It's all good. Don't yeah. stress. The funny thing about that was before you got in the car, you actually said, Canto, don't do anything stupid. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, He can't help himself that bloke. Nah, he seriously cannot. He's a pain. <laughs> he's a pest. So it's a really safe part of uh, the racetrack, though. So it's that's that's no stress. It was probably safer now with the uh, the new tire wall and the the new runoff area they have. But um, I'm guessing if this was a few years ago, it does not sound like a a thing that I'd want to tell my mum no. about. No, 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 no. 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 Anyway, that's we survived, and that, luckily that now podcast. that would be another podcast. All the stupid things we've done in hire cars at racetracks on. Um, yeah. yeah, we could do it. We could feel it. Yeah, absolutely. You feel probably a week of it. Luckily now, though, Canto is almost retired from driver training with his uh, with his missus there opening up a Pilates studio. He's just flat out on the re reception desk, just perving on birds. That doesn't sound like Dino, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Our> mate. <laughs> Luke Yorden, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up and. We can't wait to see how your 2021 season unfolds in Carrera Cup and maybe more. Indeed. Thank you, team. Thanks, buddy. And we thank Luke for his time on the Parked Up podcast. So great to hear about his Porsche stuff. Interesting to hear about his supercar stuff as well and a mm. potential return to an endurance role for the Bathurst 1000. Yeah. I mean, I, when they announced his retirement, uh, last year, I thought it was all a little bit strange and, and maybe just a way that Erebus uh, could sort of sidestep him a little bit. But I knew deep down that Luke would want to get his ass back in a race car around <laughs> there. He, he loves Bathurst. There's just something about that racetrack and Luke Yildon that um, go hand in hand. And he always does really well there. He's a Bathurst champion. 
Um, I've raced with him in the same team and I know how serious he takes that event. So for him to sit in the sidelines, I think is it, you know, what is a shame. He can offer so much experience that, you know, we've just sort of spoken about and uh, we'll see, we'll see where he lands, but uh, it's not quite clear yet. Grant, I can't quite uh, fit him into the puzzle of where he's going to land as an endurance driver for, for 2021. Mm, okay. Oh, well, we'll see. Anyway, great that he's going to be back. Uh, not just at the Bathurst 1000, if that does come to fruition, but um, of course we're going to see him a little bit more regularly in the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia Championship. Um, okay, Tony D, this episode was all about Porsche and we thank everyone for listening in. We also thank all of our great partners who have uh, helped along the way. Of course, racefuelsmotorsportwebsites.com.au, Reaction Performance, mm. our old mate Lee Stimation. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of our listeners and viewers and lovers out there. There's just so many of you. We can't mention all of you, but I will mention one person. I got to meet in person, face-to-face, Jackie Carroll. Oh, wow. He's a, uh, a, a, a huge parked up follower. And, uh, you know, we could put the most rubbish thing out there into <laughs> the podcasting world and she would still say that we're, we're awesome. Like she's wow. like, she, she feels like my, she's like my mum in the podcast world. She's like, <laughs> oh, Grant, you do such a great job. And uh, yeah, she's, uh, I saw her down at, uh, at Phillip Island and oh, uh, she's an absolute ripper. So um, there we go. Thank you for tuning in. Generally, our podcast will drop on a Tuesday morning, which this one will, right? But we're actually going to pop out another one just prior to the Simmons Plains event. Um, we do a little preview. We've got a good little chat coming up with uh, one of our good friends, mm-hmm. which I won't mention just yet. I'll leave you hanging. <laughs> um, but we're going to preview the event and we're going to talk about who's who's red hot favorite and uh, what we can expect from the Simmons Plain event. We'll talk a little bit about the schedule as well, some interesting qualifying formats. Um, the TV as well is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Massive commentary team. It's it's going to be really exciting to see how it rolls out. There's been a lot of lot of chat about it, and we're going to preview it just prior to the Simmons Plains event. Okay, that's what we're going to do. This is the Parked Up Podcast. My name's Grant. That was Tony D. That is episode 41 in the can. And as Tony said, we'll see you or you'll hear from us later in the week. Ciao.